A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Elizabeth Kowaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Darren Lehman. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to The Unplayable Podcast. This is the Unplayable Podcast. On today's episode, we wrap up the Qantas Tour of South Africa and take a look back at the best moments of the summer. Here to get through that and much more is acecricket.com reporter Callum Kanonyuk. Callum, welcome back. Our last podcast of the season. We've made it. We've made it to the end. It's finally come. There were points where I didn't think we would, but here we are. Particularly the last week. Oh, boy. And we've got a special guest coming. The Doc hopefully will be with us later on when we review the best moments of the summer. Oh, wow. So he's been chained up, locked away, but we're going to let him out, get him some fresh air, and he's going to come on, on the podcast and talk about some of his favorite moments. I've got, a feeling, I've got a feeling there are a couple of pearls in there as well. That's huge. All right. Now we've got to talk about this fourth test match at the Wanderers, South Africa, dominant 492 run win. It was just a, it was complete dominance from Pesley from. Go to woe, as they say, Callum, uh, unrelenting. And they've, they've uh, capped off a fantastic series, their first series victory at home against Australia in 48 years, since 1970. Well, we finally got the focus back on the cricket. And um, unfortunately, given all that's happened and the amount of changes that Australia were forced to make, they, um, I think it's fair to say, they simply weren't competitive in the final test. South Africa, far too good. They'd sort of been building up to a performance like this throughout the series, I think, and they kind of put it all together. And even though their bowlers had some niggles heading into that final innings and um, various things like that, they just way too dominant, um, very deserving winners. And as you say, they get to make some history and all these guys that have come before them and haven't been able to do it, this group here can um, certainly celebrate something special. It's been a series dominated by the bowlers, and that was never more evident than on the final day when... Australia had seven wickets in hand, they needed 524 to win, but more importantly, 91 overs to bat out. And inside 90 minutes, the game was over. Vernon Flanagan took six for three in 32 balls. It was just, uh, it meant it brought back memories of 47, didn't it? Unfortunately, they had some runs on the board already, but that was just a masterclass of swing and seam bowling by Big Vern, as they call him over here. Well, we made the grave mistake last night, didn't we, of looking up the series stats and kind of looking at the leading wicket takers throughout the series, and we you know, looking down, looking down, we saw Vernon quite low down the list. And we thought, I mean, he's, he's bowled pretty well, but yeah. he sort of hasn't taken many wickets, has he? And then, um, sure enough, what did it, six for three in 32 balls this yeah. morning. First ball of the day, fourth ball of the day, Marsh Brothers gone. And just sort of yeah. Hanscom looking to leave, chops on, identical dismissal to the one that happened in the first innings. Yeah, it was a tough morning for the Australians. And they wanted to show some fight. But on a wicket that was still seeming around doing a little bit against a world-class bowler when those conditions suit, it's always going to be tough. Well, that was the thing about um, the Proteas were adamant that this pitch had plenty in it still. You know, when the Australians were bowling, it kind of looked like that it was a flat wicket and there was just nothing happening. But all of a sudden, whenever the Proteas had the ball, 
things were happening, ball was swinging, movement off the pitch. It was just they have an ability with this attack that is just so versatile to be able to get something out of it. You've got big Mornay um, finding that bounce. Rabada's just so yeah. quick and always at you. And then <laughs> Vernon this morning, <laughs> you almost wonder how he does it. You know, he's just he's not quick. Keeps it very simple, doesn't he? Very simple. He just it's just the classic case of someone knowing their game and knowing what they need to do to to be able to get results. And he certainly did that this morning. And he's not the quick, as you said. Chad Sayers bowls a similar speed, and there are a lot of uh, especially people who hadn't seen Chad Sayers in this country questioning why he was in the side, even though he's a fantastic swing bowler. But he bowls just as fast as Vernon. Vernon's taken two hundred test wickets now. He's taken, I think it was his. Second wicket or third wicket of the day? Mm-hmm. There you go. He's 200th test wicket and then he's 50th test wicket against Australia in the same same uh, collapse, that incredible spell. So um, speed's not everything, Callum, is it? But uh, we saw a different Australian team this test match, not only in personnel, with three changes with the three band players out, Renshaw, Burns and Hanscom coming in, new captain Tim Payne. Uh, but they've they've sort of made the realisation and admitted that they need to change their ways. That ultra-aggressive, in-your-face kind of style behaviour probably isn't the way to go with this team going forward, and they don't think the Australian public approve of that way, the way they play. They've looked to try and curb their ways, and they were well, they were still competitive. They were not... There was nowhere near as much sledging. There was no, much, there was no chirping. There was no banter. Apparently, Tim Payne was quite vocal behind the stumps, but we didn't really hear or see much of that. Well, I think they had to change something for this test match because there was so much heat on them following this ball tampering scandal and the wider, I guess, implications of how this team approaches cricket and, I guess, how they represent the country on a wider sense. But I think they probably, Tim Payne admitted as much after the game, that they probably went too far almost in terms of You've got to find that fine line, don't you? Yeah. And like the Proteas talked about it as well, that they were... Surprised at how little talk there was from the Australians. And, you know, this team now, they're going to have a new coach soon. Um, they're going to kind of work out what their new group looks like. There's obviously very quick decisions need to be made for this test match. But they kind of need to work out, you know, who they are, what they stand for, how they go about things. Um, a lot of talk about culture after this game. So what that looks like... Um, in a few months' time, when they're back in action, remains to be seen. But that's something I need to think about, and you know, perhaps you don't need to look too much further than what the national women's team do. They play in a, a good spirit. They clearly enjoy the game. They're more than happy to have a chirp. Everyone who's played against Alyssa Healy will tell you <laughs> how much she likes to have a chat, and that's fine. I think um, you know this imaginary line. They have to kind of work out where that sits with them and how they want to approach it. There's been a lot of talk how they should copy the black caps. We should be the um, the baggy green caps soon, Callum, if we're going to follow that route, follow our trans-Tasman neighbours and see if we can become a little bit friendlier. But they've just beaten England on home soil, um, doing it their way. South Africa, not big chirpers themselves. So there is a way to win like this. I think it's just so difficult. As you'd know growing up, that's the sort of the Australian ways, like getting on the front foot and being aggressive and being dominant and imposing yourself and having a presence. There's ways to do that without being too aggressive and without sort of not breaking the rules but sort of bending them. Well, that's it. It's so embedded in, I guess, the Australian cricket team culture or um, 
you know, for as far back as I can remember, that's kind of always been the way to go. It's just... It's kind of a strange sport though, isn't it? Yeah. But I guess it's just finding how far you want to take it. Mm. Um, and that can kind of change from time to time or whatever it might be. But the other thing too, I think, is just about knowing who's in your group and kind of how they do it themselves. You don't want to force people to not be who they are. I think one of the most jarring moments of the series for me in this test series was watching Pat Cummins try and go at AB de Villiers with verbals during that Cape Town test. I remember just sitting there thinking like, I mean, I don't know Pat Cummins that well, but you know, as much as we've seen him play test cricket, one day cricket, I don't think I've ever seen him go at someone like that. Yeah. So it was just very jarring to see him try and clearly unsettle AB de Villiers, which again, didn't work, which not much did for the Australians in this series, but it's just knowing kind of how you how you approach the game and, and knowing yourself almost. And not having David Warner there, that's going to be one reason why they're probably going to go down that route. I mean, he was sort of the lead chirper in the team without him being there now. Might make that transition a little bit easier. And it depends who they bring in, but Renshaw doesn't mind having a chat out in the middle, but Joe Burns um, is not the kind of guy that would do that. So we'll see. It's very interesting, but we've talked about enough about sledging and scandals and stairwells and ICC code of conduct sanctions. Let's talk about some of the highlights of the series. And there's, with all the stuff that's happened off the field, I think, unfortunately, a lot of the focus was taken of the brilliant performances on the field. And Cajiso Rabada was named man of the series for taking 23 wickets in that play of the match performance in Port Elizabeth, those 11 wickets. And he was just unbelievable all series. Remember that time when he got suspended for a brief period? Yeah, what was that? Um, Feels like three that, months ago. Was that this year? Was I believe so. I mean, we've spoken about it often enough on this very podcast. He's just an outstanding bowler. So much skill, pace. He moves the ball off the deck, through the air. Um, you know, it's one of those cases where you want to touch wood and just make sure that he doesn't get injured because, you know, I mean, he even spoke about it today. He's got a 10 or 15 year career ahead of him still. Um, and I mean, who knows how good he's going to be and well, not good, but how great he's going to be. I thought what was really impressive was how he said when he was asked, is it comfortable being the number one bowler in the world? And he took a moment of pause and he thought about it and he goes, am I comfortable? He goes, well, yes, I am because that's what I wanted to be. That was my aspiration to be the best bowler in the world. And now he is. His goal is just to keep doing what he's doing and try and stay there as long as possible. You know, depending on which team you're supporting and what you thought of the matter with his brush with Steve Smith, I don't think anybody can argue that you don't want to see players of his calibre and of his influence miss out on test matches. Regardless of what it is, you just want to see those guys playing as much cricket, as much test cricket as possible. Well, he makes test cricket sort of that blockbuster spectacle, doesn't he? Um, the kind of guy who can, you know inspire the next generation of South African cricket fans in general. Um, how many young kids in South Africa right now want to grow up to be KG Rabada? Well, what, they, what did they say? Rabada? Rabada. Rabada, yeah. Our Uber driver that night. We've got a Rabada. Yeah. He was fantastic. Pat Cummins, their former teammates, Pat Cummins and Chakiso Rabada at Delhi. 22 wickets in this series. 23 in the Ashes, what a season, what a, what a home summer or what a summer for Pat Cummins. It was a recurring theme on each day of this Test match, wasn't it, that so much negativity around this Australian team given all that has happened and the amount of changes that they make and I guess how dominant South Africa were, but each day 
from an Australian point of view, you left thinking, how good is Pat Cummins? Whether it be with the ball where he's just constantly, each spell, he's always putting in and challenging the batsman. And then also uh, he did it with the bat and made a test half century. And No one wickets in this test? Yes. He, did it, he really did it all, didn't he? And somehow from being kind of Australia's glass man for the past five years, he's now their workhorse, their Iron Man. Their most durable player. You know, it's interesting because with Steve Smith and Dave Warner being banned for 12 months and they're not going to get a contract for next season, for 18-19, it's going to leave um, some question marks about who is Australia's most valuable player. And you would have to think that the captain and vice-captain, both three format players, there would have been one and two on the contract list that's going to get handed out later this month. Pat Cummins, he's got to be a really good chance to be the number one cricketer in Australia, doesn't he? All formats, you know, a burgeoning all-rounder, strike bowler. If he's not number one, he's going to be right up there. You would think so. I mean... Uh, It'll be got, the Quicks when it's Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins be the top three. You've got Tim Payne in there as well, depending on what they want to do with the limited overs captaincy. Uh, the summer just gone, Tim Payne is kind of an all-format player. Mm. Now he's got the test captaincy. Whether or not he gets the white ball stuff as well remains to be seen, but he'll probably be up there as well now, which is an incredible... Extraordinary. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Pat Cummins, you know, what a what an incredible story he is since he came back last year. I think he's bowled almost 500 overs now in Test cricket in that space. Only a few bowlers have taken more wickets in that time frame. So, you know, most valuable player, I think, hard to argue against that. If you have to pick a team right now, number one draft pick, Four. who do you take out of Rabada or Cummins? That's a great question. I've got to go Rabada just because he has such incredible strike power. Mm. Strike feel... rate is phenomenal, isn't it? The best ever. Yeah. Something extraordinary. Over 100 wickets. You know, yeah. As good as Pat Cummins is, and you know he can contribute those handy low order runs, but KG is just so exciting. And you still you watch him, and you still feel like he has upside, even though he is already the world's best bowler, and you know fast becoming one of the all time greats. I mean, he's got a few years to go yet, but. You still feel like there's upside there somehow? Yeah, I'm taking Cummins. Because he can bat. I reckon they're pretty equal on the bowling front. But well, I guess, he can bat a little bit better. I guess we'll just have to wait for the All-Star game. Your, your team versus my team. Uh, five centuries to the South African batters in this series. None to the Australians. Two to Aidan Markram. Breakout series for him. Elgar got one. Faf, Tupla C, the captain with a busted finger. I don't know what that finger... How that's still attached to his body. I mean, it's been just destroyed in the past couple of months, broken against the Indians in a one day, and then he got hit twice in two days by Chad Sayers and then by Cummins' uh, blood, but a claret. Is there any magic spray left in South Africa? I don't know. I don't know. There's certainly not enough tape. And then A.B. DeVries, he scored that match-winning 100 in Port Elizabeth, and Faf even said that basically won, us, won South Africa that game, even though Rabada took 11 wickets in that match. Uh, to see DeVries back, and these are sort of repeated themes. We're talking about Cummins and Rabada. And Devilliers bat was just so exciting and just a joy to watch to watch him bat because nobody bats like him. Nobody bats like A.B. Devilliers. Well, that's the thing. You mentioned it earlier, but a series dominated by the bowlers and even those um, other hundreds from the Proteus, you know, Dean Elgar, he just grinds teams, you know, say what you like about, you know, stroke play and things like that, but he scores runs. He, yeah. He just gets it done. So... Yep. 
uh, who's to argue against that? And then Aiden Markham is kind of he's not a free flowing player, but he's also not quite the Elgar uh, blockathon type. He's right in the middle there, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's going to be an incredible player. He's already um, what four hundreds now at such a young age, still early More in his than career. A thousand test runs, test matches. Yeah, you saw Faf this test really grinded out as well. You know, that was just a case of. Um, just Con- driving Australia into the ground. Yeah, they had the bowlers under some injury clouds, and you know, as you say, drive them into the ground. And then sitting above all that is that Davilia's hundred in Port Elizabeth, which is just su- such an anomaly in this series. He didn't give it a single chance. He just looked in complete control against a really high quality attack. I mean, you talk about all the off-field stuff taken away from the on-field. That was one of the great hundreds. We'll see. You know what one of the most shocking um, revelations of this series has been for me? And it's not stairwell stuff and CCTV cameras and sandpaper and all that stuff. It's when DeVille spoke about that 100 and he said that he was nervous in the 90s because it had been three years since he scored 100. And I'm thinking, how is A.B. DeVille, the champion batsman that he is, the man that can play any shot and hit anywhere on the ground, nervous? He's just played outstanding innings. He's got to 90, but he started to get nervous. And not, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't feel his legs or something. That's here. right. He was numb from the waist down. It was, uh, you know, for a guy. And to be, to be fair, the one knock on him is his conversion rates. Uh, for a guy of his talent, only scored 22 test hundreds. You'd think he'd be up there with the 30s or 40s by now, having played more than 100 test matches. But maybe he does get nervous in the 90s. Maybe after all this, and the Aussies had preached this, countless times throughout the series maybe he is just human maybe we didn't see many signs of it this series uh, the thing now you know obviously we had Mornay Morkel called time on his career you've got a lot of these South African guys now who are um, certainly closer to the end of their career than they are the start of it so this is it's at that point where you sort of you have to really take in each of these innings yep. you don't know how many more we're going to get um, and if he if he never played another test match, I mean, what a career. Well, as we said in the first podcast, Neil Manthorpe said that A.B. DeVos gets that for two things, two reasons in the morning. One, I'm sure there's probably a couple of other reasons, family, breakfast, things like that. Yeah. One, beating Australia. Tick. Next one, winning the World Cup. How big is that going to be in 2019? They came so close to getting to the final in 2015. One of the great games, and Rain probably ruined them. They were on a track for a huge score, and then Rain brought them back to the pack. They're so motivated now, and they've got some serious strike power. If you've got AB firing, Rabada firing, you're going to have Faf there. Amla is great in English conditions. Dale Stain, will he be back? Lungi and Geedy's great. Philander, maybe get him in there with seeming conditions early in the England summer. They're going to be red hot. They're going to be very, very tough to beat. Well, the thing now, and it's the case with all these tournaments is about timing your run. So building that preparation and now South Africa have just come off such a big home summer. Um, it started many moons ago Then they had a massive series against India, number one team in the world. They come um, follow that up by beating Australia. So now they've kind of got that massive summer out of the way. So I think from now on they can go, right, let's really set our sights on that 2019 World Cup and they get a really solid 12, 13-month preparation to just really focus on, on white ball cricket and particularly that World Cup. They're going to win it? Um, 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yeah, they will. <laughs> no one remembers. No, that would be it. I've one. got every prediction wrong in this series. Yeah, so, yeah. so they might make it the Super yeah. 6 stage. They, sorry, they don't sorry, have that, do they? It's like every team plays nine games and there's a semi-final and a final, right? Something like that, yeah. It's hard to keep up. It's hard to keep up. All I know is Zimbabwe are not there. All right, Cal, we're going to take a quick little break. I think someone's at the door. Room service? It, could, it might be room service. Or it might be our unleashed cameraman. We'll see. All right, now that we've had a look at the Qantas Tour of South Africa, let's focus on the entire summer. It's been a huge summer and get through our favourite moments. Calm's still here, but we've got the doc. You've made it. Yep. Thanks for welcoming me back after two um, two podcasts out. Yeah, you didn't turn up. Was that a suspension? No, uh, it felt like I was just squeezed out. I was outcast. A controversial at best of times, Doc, but you're back now. Thanks. And we're going to talk about our favourite moments across the whole summer, and it was a long summer. JLT One Day Cup, JLT Sheffield Shield, the KFC Big Bash League, Rebel Women's Big Bash League, there's the Women's Ashes, the Men's Ashes, there's a T20 Series, Gillette One Day Series, there's so much cricket plus this tour over here, and the women are in India as well. Doc, let's get you, mate, you're fresh. Tell some of your, your favourite moments, your highlights of the summer. It started off with a bang when I went up to Coffs Harbour to do a day in the life with Alyssa Healy as she was uh, playing in her third ODI. Luckily that day she scored a 54 and made the package really nice. So it was great. That was my highlight. That was it. Then she went on to score a few more centuries or a few centuries. Yep. And, um, other formats. One other including in India. But yep. that she was such a delight to work with. It was such a great location. Got to have breakfast with her, got to go and uh, film her playing golf with Shooter. And she got a hole in one. I got to film her doing that. The slam Um, dunk. The slam dunk. And then she went on that afternoon to score 54. So, yeah, that was my probably the highlight of the entire summer. And you had a moment when, was it Tom Curran? There was a good story behind that when he got his first test wicket, but it was a no ball. Yeah. The no ball wicket of Davey Warner at the MCG in the third Ashes test. When Tom Curran... Fourth Ashes fourth. test. Oh, jeez, I, I wished it was a third. <laughs> it was a bit of a drag. And Tom Curran, bowling to getting his first wicket, a la Ben Stokes in Adelaide four years earlier, He was it was overruled. And we had a cameraman, my colleague Rhino, sitting in between the Barmy Army and the Aussie fans and got to see on one side of the screen, fans go up. And then 20, 15 seconds later, the fans on the other side going up straight back at you. That was good from an Australian point of view. Callum, from a, your point of view, what was one of your favourite moments of the summer? Oh, there's just so many. There's so many to choose from. I don't know where to begin. Oh, well, give us your top 10. All right. Uh, number, no. <laughs> um, I think women's ashes, if we go back that far right to the start of the summer, Elise Perry's. Double century, yeah, was phenomenal. And what was um, a strange match in the sense that it, it wasn't overly exciting because the pitch was just um, not conducive to that kind of cricket. But there were so many exciting moments in it. Um, I mean, Sarah Taylor's catch behind the stumps on uh, I can't remember which evening it was, but it was late in the day, under mm. lights, pink ball. Sarah Taylor up to the stumps took an amazing catch. Um, but yeah, Elise Perry was amazing, just an absolute freak, and um, it's really not fair how good she is at cricket. But the other one 
I really enjoyed in the summer is one very specific moment in the men's ashes. You know, I'm a big Sean Marsh fan. True. Is this just a random cover drive that he hit? No. <laughs> right. It is the shot uh, back over Stuart Broad's head yep. in Adelaide. I mean, it was just so dominant, so full of disdain. It was incredible. I, like, how sweet did he hit that shot? He, he nailed it. So many highlights during the, during the summer, but if there's a package with that in it, I have to watch it at least five times. Well, I'm pretty sure there is. He got 100 in that innings, so yeah. there would be 100 innings. Yeah, have you gone but I got... mean just like best of for the summer. It's like just... that appears, I'm like, all right, I'll rewind and watch it again. Have you got like, you know, there's like 24 different camera angles. Have you gone through the archives and just had a look at every angle? If I haven't watched every angle, then I must have gone close. <laughs> <laughs> big Sean Marsh fan. There was, you're right, there was so much cricket. What about in the Big Bash? Anything in the Big Bash stand out? There's always something, isn't there, in the Big Bash? Something always pops up. It can be a random night. Any night, something will happen. And um, we got that one night under the roof mm. at Eddie Head Stadium. Just kind of out of nowhere, we see this amazing catch. We've seen plenty of sort of combination catches where two teammates combine. But the one, the Strikers v Renegades, where uh, Ben Lachlan running around on the boundary, takes a catch, he's sailing way over the boundary, chucks it in, and Weatherold finishes the job. And it was just one of those moments where it just goes around the world in 15 seconds. Yeah. Um, what was the catch that Ricky Ponting thought was better in controversial circumstances? That would, of course, be Evan Golbus, I believe. Oh, that's right. The Gobbler. That's right, yes. I mean, that, that's the thing about the Big Bash. You, you always get something um, similar to WBBL. Something always pops up you know, in a competition like that where they're often four, four games a day. There's always something. And um, you know, I think it's just those bite-sized moment, bite moments that just keep you on your toes. How good was Darcy Short throughout the summer, throughout the Big Bash thing? And got an Australian T20 cap and now has got a big... Dealing the IPL, but there seems to be one player in the BBL each summer that sort of takes it by storm, normally a top-order batsman, and he was it this summer, and he was just unbelievable. There was a period there where he could just do no wrong, could he? he was I think just... he even said that. He just goes, yeah, I can't believe I'm batting so well, I'm hitting everything in the middle. What an <laughs> incredible feeling that must be. Can he play test cricket? Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, he's following a similar path in terms of performance to David Warner. He started off in the T20 ranks, and then he found his way into the test team. And he's predominantly played for Western Australian Shield competition as a left-arm spinner, but towards the back end of the season, batted up the order. So you never know, Doc. He's a young man. He could develop. Very different personality to Mr. Warner, I would Slightly different, yep. But both left-handed. How so? Dynamic batsman. What do you mean? He's a bit more introverted, I think, isn't he? A bit more shy when it comes to the media type of stuff like that. But an explosive player. He could play test cricket down. As we know, Doc, there's a couple more spots opening up now for the next 12 months or so. Sheffield Shield 2, I thought Mitchell Stark's twin hat-tricks in that game at Hurstville. I mean, that's just unheard of. Um, to be able to do that how good, <laughs> and to win the game. How good are those uh, opening couple of rounds of the Shield season every year? When the Test players are playing. Test players are playing. Yeah. I mean, that game, WAV New South Wales, where was, it? was that Hurstville? Yeah. I mean, that's an absolute blockbuster and you're playing at, you know, really... Boutique ground. Suburban ground, yeah. Sydney's um, south. And you've got 
some of the world's best cricketers on display. And you've got well, Mitchell Stark doing things like that. Yeah, I mean, that was a game that basically got Cameron Bancroft into the test side when he put those ten, two half centuries on the board against Smith, Warner, Hazelwood, Lyon, the Australian test pace attack, which is, and, and Nathan Lyon. So um, very impressive. But, yeah, those those first couple of rounds are always exciting. And then to see Mitchell Stark do that, that was kind of like a teaser of the summer because once he got that ball to start reverse swinging around the wicket, it was pretty dominant. That James Vince ball, James Vince ball at the Wacker might have been crack assisted, but still, no one's stopping that, are they? That's right. That was a phenomenal ball, wasn't it? What is the? What was, were there any highlights from the Odegaards? Yeah, well, Jason Roy got that huge hundred, didn't he? That's right. I'm trying to forget that one as Australian fans, four-one defeat. But yeah, isn't it interesting what we were saying before about catches and how they stick in your mind as a good memory? Remember we asked Gilchrist, like, what's his favourite cricketing moment? And he goes, oh, John Dyson catches. Yeah. Catches, as you say, bite-sized moments, they just stick in your mind. They're like they're like highlights. What's your favourite catch, Doc, you've seen? Well, it'd be AFL-related, I think. What about, uh, in a cricket sense, being on this cricket okay, podcast? Let me just think really hard. Well, it probably would be John Dyson's catches. Because <laughs> I, I was editing that video, so it was pretty cool. But I reckon Steve Smith's catches... I think he took a ripper in an ODI. It could have been against South Africa. He took an absolute ripper. Yeah. And it wasn't at first... It wasn't at second sleep or first sleep. It was... Uh, I'm not sure where we were standing. Right. But it was It was close in and it was one-handed and it was sensational. Well, that's right. It was the one where he smacked his face on the ground. Was that South Africa or was that New Zealand? It was New Zealand. Yeah. New Zealand. Yeah, and he just landed on his face. That was a cl- absolute... He had classic. a couple of that series. Took it out on the next game, I think. Yeah. Memory. But I'm also a big fan of, you know, the diving, show-off, rugby try style, jump, leap in the air, Dean Elgar's catch the other day. I like those ones. Well, that's right. We have spoken about the Proteas uh, winning that test series. What were some of your highlights out of that Qantas tour? We're here in Johannesburg from his, uh, recording this last podcast. What are some of your highlights? I know you've got a couple. I, so I like some of the highlights of the... St- I love a stoush. I love a mid-wicket stoush. So I was really, I was really pumped up to see Rabada getting, you know, fired up. I like, I like it when there's a bit of talk between Starkey and I think it was De Bruin, yep. in Durban. I really quite enjoyed that. He was getting stuck right into him. Uh, there was also a bit of banter in Cape Town between Hazelwood and AB De Villiers. It was not sure it worked. Yeah. No. Although not much, <laughs> much they did. Yeah. Uh, Pat Cummins. Bowling Faf Duplessis. That was quite fun. Um, what else we got? Can what I go the, off what field? About the, what about the pizza man? Okay, I'm going to go off field. There was a bloke and his wife who actually had travelled around Australia twice and he was making pizzas in uh, Port Elizabeth just at a stall next to a coffee stall and a burger joint. Here he was with his own little oven on the back of a trailer and cooking uh, pizzas, but he couldn't make them fast. So although they were absolutely delicious and he was loved were, by everyone in the media centre. Callum, you would have had three a day? Um, yeah, I was I was pushing double figures there so, for a while. Unfortunately, we get to day three and he's just gone. He disappeared. Shortly after that, the entire tour for the Aussies just fell off the wheels. The reason he didn't turn up is because he was copying abuse from fans who were upset about how long it was taking for him to make a pizza. Good things come to those who wait, Doc. That's right. A little bit of patience. 
I mean, that's what the Aussies have to do. They just have to wait it out until the Darcy Shorts and the Travis Heads start getting into the test team. And Glenn uh, Maxwell's back in the team? Maxwell. Well, as soon as Justin Langer is coach, Maxwell will be uh, picked in every T20 international, every ODI international, and every test match that Australia plays as long as he's coach. How about some of these predictions from the doc? Yeah, he's, he's just named a new coach. He's got Glenn Maxwell in there. Is he the captain? No. No, 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 I think no. Don't be silly. No, Absolutely. that's, that's outrageous. He's not vice-captain. He, he actually no. said in the past he he's wouldn't mind being a vice-captain. Oh, match winner. That could be his official title. <laughs> MW next to his name in parentheses. Well, he'll win every sixth game, but in between, you know, maybe not so good, but he'll win, win every sixth game that he's in. You'd probably take that, wouldn't you, Cal? Sure. And mm. injuries. Has he had many? Hardly no, any. He's a fit man. Very fit. And how about, how many catches are we missing out on? Because he's not in the team. He's a fantastic fielder. You can't, Callum, you can't deny Doc that, can you? I mean, you'd be silly not to. You'd be silly, that's right. He's about to go to the IPL. Play with Ricky Ponning. Playing with Ricky Delhi. Ponning. And I can't wait to see. I reckon he's going to do something crazy like if he did three years ago where he got 36 sixes in the tournament. What about that time where he took a catch in England while he was eating an ice cream? He can do it all. What? Yeah. It was a tour game, wasn't it? Yeah, it certainly wasn't an official... No, no, you probably... No, national match. Doc, thank you again for coming on, mate. Good, uh, I'm out of here. Thanks very much for having me back, guys. It's been, it's been a wonderful tour, I think. Uh, of the dozen or so people that listen to this podcast, you're certainly in their top three favourite members. So, uh, <laughs> Whatever happened to Ask Doc? Hashtag Ask Doc. It was just too popular. And then it became... There was a lot of medical questions. Mm. And I'm not sure... <laughs> I'm not sure Doc no. really should be giving any advice about that type of stuff. No. I mean, I know you've got experience with it, but please, if you ever hear any hemorrhoid advice from Doc, don't take it. Yeah, hemorrhoid advice. Okay. Yeah, no, I've, I better not talk about that. So, thanks very much for having me. Boom, I'm out. Well, Callum, not only is it the end of this tour in South Africa, this is also the end of this podcast and the season of podcasts and the season of cricket. Can you believe it? It's finally over. Uh, part of me does not believe it one bit. When did it start? <sighs> September? Does it ever end? That, that's a good question. JLT One Day Cup? Way back there in September? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. They'd been to Bangladesh before that. So it's just, yeah, right, it doesn't stop. What an incredible summer. It's been record-breaking on lots of different levels. Just... I mean, you just have to stop and think. And it was only a week ago, well, just over a week ago, and Australian cricket was so vastly different. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it is strange when you put it like that. The next time we have a podcast, it's going to be entirely different again. There's going to be a new men's coach. Yep. New look team. Yep. New podcast host. Oh, really? I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Where things are going. You won't be here. Why not? You didn't get that... Uh uh-oh. Rambo didn't come and tell you? No. He's the chairman of selectors when it comes to this. Bloody hell. Check your emails. <laughs> Once you leave here, check your emails. Uh, but big thank you to you, Callum, to the doc, to everybody that's come on to the podcast this summer. Uh, Mike Cussie's been champion. Lisa Stalake has been on a lot. Big Mount Con start of the summer. He was loved us talking cricket. He's got bigger fish to fry at the moment, doesn't he? He, he does. Uh, but every guest that's been on here, really appreciate it. Appreciate the fans. Trying to get in touch with us on Twitter. Ask Doc. What a, what a sensation that was for oh. six days. It was great, though. Debatable. Yeah. Back in the HQ. 
Patrick Horan has helped get this set up. He's been just phenomenal supporting this podcast and getting it uh, up and about every week. So thanks, Paddy. He's the one person who listens all the way through. But, uh, he makes it to the end. I he's think. the one. He's the one. Uh, we don't know when we're going to be back. We're going to have a little break, but we'll be back well and truly before Australia's next assignment, which is a five-match one-day series against England in June. So we'll probably come back around before then. But in the meantime, there's still cricket on. never stops, Callum. The IPL starts, I guess, whenever this podcast comes out in a couple of days. Lots of Australians in action. A couple aren't, but uh, live scores, news, some video. It'll be on cricket.com.au, won't it? There'll be a bit there. There'll be a bit there. Thank you again for your listenership uh, throughout the 2017-18 season. We'll be back soon. But until then, Callum, where can everyone go? Cricket.com.au. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.